life and, and being plant, put into the ground. But the truth is, is we're given the opportunity to die for the right things on a regular basis. What I mean by that is uh, there are people around us that we care about and love that, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's simply a matter of putting ourselves aside so that they can have what they need, right? Now, we, you know, mothers do this very well uh, t- most of the time, and so do fathers and husbands and people. We have a tendency to, in a sense, put off our own desires uh, in, in what, what many people would call very small ways, but they're important because... How many of us know that some things that everybody else thinks is, is small ends up being pretty important to you, okay? You know, I've shared, I've shared uh, before, I got an old pair of cleats uh, that, uh, that when I was uh, a kid playing football, my mother bought for me. Well, I mean, we didn't have uh, uh, a lot, and, uh, I re- and I didn't know this for years. I, the cleats just appeared, right? You know, I needed them, so I had these, and they're the big gnarly ones with the big metal spikes and, and you, know, you step on somebody, they're going to be bruised really well. And the football cleats, and, but they just appeared. And later on I found out that she skipped lunch for a month. Relatively small thing. But an important thing to a, to a, uh, uh, to a 15-year-old boy who to play football, right? We do those kinds of things. Now, and, and if you backtrack on that question, what's worth dying for? Some, someone that I love, okay? It's not so much uh, dying in, in the physical sense, like going into the grave, but sometimes going hungry or putting something else aside so that somebody I care for has what they need, okay? Just, just, just another way to answer that question. Now, um, and today, I'm going to wrap up, I think, uh, well, I'm going to, we've got two services today, to, this morning and tonight at 6. Um, I'm going to do some continuation stuff tonight, and maybe I'll, I'll get into the details of that later uh, at 6, but... Let me just throw a plug out there. Uh, I know it's a beautiful Sunday. The blue, sky, blue sky's out there, and it's, it's nice and pleasant. Um, Sunday night's a great place. This is a great place to be on a Sunday night and worship, even, even when the weather is uh, wonderful out there. Amen? Amen. Um, in, the last, in the last few weeks, I've been, we've, we've, I've been in the midst of a series I, we called, I, I entitled, Against the Wind. And it is a, it's a counterculture um, series. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about who you are in, in Christ Jesus and what in the world are you. And, and the, the, the intention was to just kind of lay the foundation of, of who have I decided to be in Christ, okay? And does that matter? I've talked about the flood of uh, sin and the flood of cultural pressures against Christ that are, you might say, around us now and increasing. It kind of, you know, I, I could lift up, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that today, but I could make a list of, of you might say, the, the increase of sin, the increase of coldness, the increase of these things that seem to be upon us right now. 
And um, last week I talked about living a Christian life that reflects integrity. I like, I like the whole idea of integrity. Um, some people think that integrity is, is just another name for, for honesty, and I guess in some respects it is. But let me, let me just explain integrity a little bit more, that integrity means that things are integral, that they connect. What I'm, what, and, and in this case, when we're talking about living a life of, uh, of a Christian life with integrity, what we're really talking about is, is what I say I believe, what I believe, and how I live somehow meshes and is consistent. Okay? So, uh, and I pressed you and I asked you, and, and I don't think anybody wants to live in, hypo- in hypocrisy. Now, I don't think most of us who kind of like there's a disparity between what we say we believe and what we live, uh, sometimes that's unintentional, okay? So I wouldn't call that hypocrisy. I would call that people who are working through the process, okay? You, know, you understand what I mean by that? In other words, God's not finished with me yet. I still stumble. I still fall. But I get back up and I lift my eyes to him, okay? And, uh, and so integrity means that, that, that these things are working together. What I believe, what I say I believe, who I represent and how I live uh, are, are one, one package, are one package. Um, uh, and and that, that's powerful. When those things come together, and they should and they can, when those things come together, people look and they see and they see it's real. The world wants to see real stuff. There's enough flim-flam out there, right? I mean, we're being advertised. You know, as one of the, the, the classics that I, I saw, I remember um, some years ago when we, we had some debt that we were trying to knock out. One of them was a Capital One card. You know, the, one, you know the, one, you know the commercial? The Capital One, and, and you, you see the... Uh, and, and essentially, you've got the, the Vikings coming over the, the hills, you know. And, and in other words, they're... And in other words, the, the other cards out there, they're going to oppress you and they're going to... What I, what I found, what we found is I remember one time I was away and one of the payments for the Capital One card got, went in late. And all of a sudden, they hit us with all this penalties. In other words, we went from like 3% to like a 20-some percent interest rate, bang, overnight. Yeah, uh, and that was, those were the marauders. But they were advertising the opposite way. And that's the world that we live in. That's the world we live in. That it's okay to say, you know, this is the best car on the lot. It's okay. It's acceptable when it's really not. It's okay to say this is the best deal going, but when everybody knows it's not. They call, they call the lies marketing. <laughs> I mean, that's another way of saying, I mean, it's okay. It's okay to say these things. We're number one when you're number ten. But we're going to say we're number one. But we're number ten. Well, you know, here we, we're living in a world like this. So uh, don't you think that, that people really are hungry for the real thing? To see it's real? And if, you're going to, if, if you and I are going to call ourselves Christian, I'm not, I'm not laying up a, please, again, I'm, you know, I'm not going to put up a standard that we can't jump over, okay? Re, re, in other words, a bar that's too high for us to reach. But there needs to be an honest, an honest to God uh, intention and effort to live what we say we believe.
Right? Okay. Now, I want you to know that God gives, puts his Holy Spirit in you that enables you to do that. Uh, but there's that one part that you and I have. It's the will. Will we? Will we call upon him when we're struggling? Will we call, will, will we, when, when, things, when things are pulling us in the other direction, will we turn and say, God, I need some help here? Okay? Those are, the, those are some of the things that work into this. All right. Uh, that's where we've been. Now, uh, if, if we talk about the, 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 you might say, the influences of the enemy and the rising tide uh, as we walk against the wind, against the wind, the, the whole concept is that here we are living in a culture that is progressively and increasingly uh, antichrist. Okay? Now, this is kind of new to us. We hear about persecution historically. Okay? We've heard about, you know, it's like, you know, the Fox's Book of Martyrs is filled with, with stories of Christians who were martyred, uh, persecutions against the church, or this government and that government. And we, and we could read, and we could, we could read, if we're, if we're, we're historically savvy, we could, we could read about uh, what went on in Nazi Germany and in the, in, the, in the communist countries and some of the other things that were, were going on, and how the persecution, how Christianity was wiped out, or at least in their estimation, they took over their buildings, their, their churches, their cathedrals, whatever, whatever and, and, and turned them into other things, uh, di, uh, uh, took their properties, uh, in some cases, in many cases, killed and imprisoned Christians, and that's within... That's within our parents' uh, life, lifestyle. And right now today, right now today, there are many places where Christians are literally, physically running for their lives. Okay? It's happening today. Now, this is new to us. We can, new to us here in the United States that we could, we could experience the kind of push, the kind of, you might say, reversal when we would say that our country was built upon Christian standards, okay? We're good about, we're good about saying that. We're wondering what in the world's happening, right? Anybody says, this doesn't make any sense. Have you ever felt that way before? This does not make any sense the way this is going. It's a, it's a, it's a good indication that it's not worldly. It's, it's the pressure ultimately comes from another world, okay? And we'll talk about that. All right. Things that are happening now. Let me just give you, and, and, and you could go on, on the web or you could watch the news. Um, here's, uh, here's the rising tide of persecution against Christianity here in the United States. Here's a report by, by two U.S.-based religious freedom groups that says that anti-Christian persecution is on the rise in America. We knew that. A joint report by a Texas-based Texas Liberty Institute and a Washington-based Family Research Council says uh, groups like the American Civil Liberties Union aren't, only, aren't, aren't the only culprits. The report says government agencies around the United States are trying to push Christian expression out the door. Okay? It's dramatic, says the Liberty Institute, a gentleman by the name of Shackelford. Uh, he spoke of the, height the, of, of the recent hike in the reported incidents of persecutions. He says, I've been doing these types of cases for almost 25 years now, and I've never seen the levels of attacks like these and how quickly they are proliferating. He says that government, the governments, from schools to social programs 
is the, is the ringleader in this. There are children being prohibited from writing Merry Christmas to the soldiers, senior citizens being banned from praying over their meals at the, at the, senior, at the senior center, the VA banning the mention of God in fu- military funerals, numerous attempts to have veterans, memorials turn, torn down if they, if they have any religious symbols such as a cross, Christian organizations being disenfranchised and booted off of uh, our, our college campuses. And the Air Force has recently come out and said that the gospel... Sharing the gospel really isn't, they're not allowed to do this if it makes anybody feel uncomfortable. Okay? Commanders, military commanders, uh, barred from disclosing any programs that are tied to the chaplaincy or any program involving religion. The Air Force banning the word God from the Air Force patch logo, even though the reference has no religious connotations. The Navy directive that banned Bibles from Walter Reed Hospital. An Army Reserve training program that listed evangelical Christians and Catholics as examples of religious extremism. An Army email that uh, listed prominent Christian ministries like the Family Research Council uh, as domestic hate group. Military chaplains that now must contend with, if they're going to preach the gospel, hate speech accusations. That has to do with the gay and the lesbian thing. Okay? All right. All right. That's kind of a long, uh, just kind of a setup. And those are just, you might say, tastes of what is coming in our direction. It's happening now, okay? Uh, and, 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 and again, we have experienced unprecedented levels of religious liberty and freedom in our country. But this is what we're, this is what we're going to deal with. We've talked about, we've read about persecution. It's here. It's here. All right, Okay. 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Say, Pastor, that was a really, really long introduction. I'll try not to go, go too long today, but I wanted to share some things with you. Not to, not to freak you out or to make you afraid, but uh, in, in fact, I'm really, if you're paying attention, you knew all this stuff already, or at least similar things. 2 Timothy 3. Now, Paul's speaking to, to one of his protégés, a younger minister, and Paul's getting up there in years, and, and this is part of, of his, his, his uh, uh, diatribe to, uh, to Timothy. He says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of, of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power, avoid such men as these." For among them there are those who enter into the households and captivate weak women, weighed down by, with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, uh, just as Janus and Jambres, folly was also. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such, such as happened to me at Antioch, at, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who 
all who live godly, who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Matthew 5, 12, and just this is, Jesus said this, Rejoice and be glad, exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So persecution is not something that's new, is it? It's not something that's new. You might say having the pushback. Now, I understand that here, here I'm out in the world. If I'm running around, uh, uh, you might say, and doing the kinds of things and, and roughing people up in the name of God, I can expect some legitimate pushback, right? Got it? In other words, if I'm, you know, I'm, if I'm the most obnoxious guy in the room, and I'm telling people that because of their sin, you're going to hell. You know? If I'm running around and that's kind of my uh, mode of operation, I can, I, I, you know, that's not hard to, to believe that, that some people are going to say, you know, I'm not sure I like listening to that, and that, I'm not even sure that that's persecution when they, give, when they push back like that. Except, except there's something else going on in our world today. Something else going on, on in our world today, and it has to do with spiritual, the, spirit, the, the spiritual signs of our times, okay? Recognizing that, 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 according to the gospel, that the spirit of Antichrist has always been present. Do you get that? You understand that? I understand if we look in the book of Revelation, we talk about the Antichrist, which is which basically the spirit of Antichrist that you can kind of ball up into a, a, a specific person that was, was labeled and named the Antichrist. But the scripture talks about the scripture that the spirit of the Antichrist is always present. So there's always, we're in the midst of a battle here. And we're not fighting. At least we're not fighting the way we're supposed to fight. I mean, our first response to all this is to lawyer up. Right? We've got, we've got lawyers that are part of our congregation. They, they, just like everybody else, we, we perform purpose in life and it's good. Okay? But our response to spiritual entities and those kind of things is not necessarily the response, the appropriate response is not a physical response, it's a spiritual response. Because when we're dealing with spiritual things, we have to fight with spiritual things. Okay? So, here we are. We're in the midst of a battle, we're in the midst of the fight. The reality, in John 15, 18, it says, if the world hates you, this is the reality that we find ourselves in. This is the reality that Jesus delivers to us. He says, uh, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Okay? John 15, 20, just a couple of verses later, says, Remember uh, the word that I said to you, the servant's not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. In 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, For truly, when we were with you, we told you that we should, that we should suffer, that be, we told you before that we should suffer persecution, even as it has come to pass, and you know. That same passage that I read earlier, 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says, Those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Hebrews 10, 33, says, Partly while, I, while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. 
speaking of the various persecutions that were identified in Scripture. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which, uh, which is to try you, as if something strange, if some strange, as if some, though something strange has happened to you. Now, in other words, persecution, Jesus is essentially saying that if you live godly in Christ, you'll, you, there will be persecution. Now, the persecution comes on a, on a variety of levels, right? Sometimes uh, it's mom and dad. You know, mom and dad say, you know, uh, I don't know about I don't know about this new faith that you have found. Sometimes it's people in your own household. The scripture said that sometimes they will be the enemies. Yeah? Okay? And, and sometimes it's simply interpersonal people at work, wherever you are, etc., etc., etc. Okay? And you may lose your job because you're a believer. They'll never say it that way. At least not in this time. It might come to that, that time because in, in ancient Israel, one of the reasons why, if you, if you look at, if you read through the New Testament, you'll find that, that, uh, that Paul's always taking offerings to Jerusalem, right? You ever notice that? He's, he's collecting money out in Asia Minor and he's t- taking the money to, to, to Jerusalem because essentially if you had, had, had walked away from Judaism, you probably lost your job, lost your position. So you were ultimately relegated to some kind of welfare that didn't exist. Now, so you talk about paying the price. I know I'm going to lose my job if I confess Christ. Okay? Part of the price. Will you pay it? Okay? Persecution comes in a variety of forms. In some places in the, in the world today... It's permissible within the culture, within the religious culture, to enslave Christians. That's in the Middle East, the place where Christianity, uh, uh, where the Christianity came from. Okay, but why? Why about this persecution? Now, go with me to John the third chapter. And I find this is extremely. I mean, I love this passage of scripture, and it just kind of lays it out. Okay. Now, this is, a, this is some of the things that Jesus was talking to. Uh, Jesus said when he was talking to, to Nicodemus, he said, For God so loved the world, and that's in verse 16, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Did you catch that? God loved you so much. In fact, he loved the whole world, all of us, so much that, if, that he gave his only Son, that when he went to the cross... That whoever believes in him, if you're here, you're believing in Jesus, would not perish, but would have eternal life. Okay? For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might, through, might be saved through him. He, he who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, and, and this is how, this is the, 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 these are all good passages, but I want you to focus on this next thing that I'm about to read. It says, this is the judgment. Other translations say, and this is the verdict. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. If we want to find out where, where, is this, this, where is this coming from, where is persecution coming from, Here's the the verdict. Here's the judgment that light came into the world. 
And men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. That's what he's talking about. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. For he who practices truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought with God. Now, you wonder, now if we, we talk about persecution and this, this pushback, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you're living Christianity, right? Okay, I mean, what's not to like about, well, I don't steal anymore. I go to work on time. I don't falsify my time card. I give my boss an honest day's work. I might even stay a little longer and not charge him anything. I don't call in sick when I'm not sick. You know? I don't cheat on my wife. Don't lie to, lie to my friends. I don't cheat on my taxes. I pay my bills on time when I can, when the money's there. And what's not to like about stuff like that, right? I mean, I could keep on going, right? And, 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 and what I've just described to you is simple. This is Christianity 101. If you are a believer in Christ, these are the, this is the kind of life you live. This is how you conduct business. You work hard. You're honest. You're faithful. Okay? And so on and so forth. What's not to like about that? Okay? Does it make sense? Does it? So why the pushback? Well, this passage, Jesus put his finger on it. He said, light came into the world, and they loved darkness rather than light. And they didn't like the light because their deeds were evil. They hated it because, uh, because they liked darkness, and they liked, what was darkness? Well, darkness was evil deeds. Okay? And, and, and when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, okay? I'm the light of the world. And he says, and they hated me. Yeah? Have you ever felt, I mean, have you ever thought, well, maybe the pastor can see what's in my heart? Ever had that experience? Yeah? Maybe the pastor's prayed for you, whether it's this pastor or another time, and, and you said, wow, you know, I don't really want to, the guy's spooky. <laughs> The guy's spooky, you know. He, he said something, and I said, how did, I, how did he know that? How do you know that? And I always tell him, I know everything. I'm the pastor, right? <laughs> Truth is, I don't, you know. But every once in a while, the Holy Spirit thinks things like word of knowledge, word of wisdom, da-da-da-da-da, just, just God opens and reveals it. My, my daughters sometimes get mad at me because they think that God tells me more things about them than, than uh, he says, why didn't he just talk to us? Well, God... Obviously loves me, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I play with my daughters like that, you know. It's just, you know, I'm dad, okay. So, I, so I, I get away with some of that kind of crazy stuff. But God, God does tell me things. And have you ever been around somebody that said, well, you know, uh, you've seen God move through them in such a way that, um, you know, I, I don't mind being prayed for. Maybe I'm not going to go up there because, you know, my life is not exactly the way it should be, and I don't want the light turned on. Ever feel that way? I have. I have. I mean, there was a guy that God would use this way. His name was John Wesley Fletcher years ago. He's had his issues since then. But God gave, through gift, put gifts in this guy. And it's like he was looking, you know, it's like he'd look at you and God would show him stuff. And the trick is, is 
I could never control what God was showing him about me. So I don't want to get around him. Okay? Okay? See, that's, that's even within us. There's some, there's some love of darkness, isn't there? Okay? So persecution comes. Okay. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, right? Okay, so they didn't like him. And then he said, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Do you know that sometimes when God is working in you, you don't have to do anything and people won't like you. It's happening at a different level. It's happening at a spiritual level. It's happening at a spiritual level because of they feel revealed. They see how you're living. They witness how you're, how you're living. And, 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 and that brings conviction because the Holy Spirit is involved. And you find yourself hated without cause. Or at least you think it's without cause. And they, they may not be able to articulate what's going on there. May not be able to articulate what's going on there. But they find that they don't like it. What it is, they don't like the revelation that comes. It's uncomfortable. Turn the lights on and what happens? The bugs run, you know? You know? Turn the lights on and say, God, well, you, you, no, no, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to see that stuff. I don't want to be confronted with that stuff. And there comes a point. I mean, we all have to, to experience some of that. It's uncomfortable when God says, it's you, right? The, the scripture tells us that the Holy, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit would be to, to convict us of sin. Now, what, why, would we need, why would we even be wanted be, to be convicted of sin? I don't want to be convicted of anything. But how, how many of us know that it's not until it's revealed, you know, it's only after it's revealed, then, then it can be dealt with. How do, we, how, how do we deal with sin? We confess it to God. And He takes it away. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He said he, he, it was a promise He'd do that. But we have a choice there. And it happens, every, it happens on, on a, any given Sunday. Pastor's preaching or somebody's preaching or someone's sharing with you and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. you know, the person may not even know that they're being used that way, but God is speaking to you. And it's kind of uncomfortable. But, but he has to bring us to that point so when we confess, we're set free from the, from the, from the chains that bind us. We sang that, we sang that song, uh, uh, I've Been Set Free. See? See? The chains have to be, we gotta hold, the chains got to be held up and God will take them away. God will take them away. All right, so we have here the why. But here, how do we respond in this world that we're in here? I mean, we could, okay. I called a friend of mine the other day and said, boy, I'd sure, sure like to have an AR-15. Now that they're illegal, I can't, you know, it's, I didn't want one until then, right? <laughs> and and, 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 and I'm, 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 I'm saying these kinds of things tongue-in-cheek. But, but the truth is, is the one way to respond to what's happening in the world is, is we get afraid and we form a militia. Okay. Okay, okay, the first, the first, first, the first Jamestown, uh, I don't know, what would you call it, or the, the first uh, uh, militia of whatever, and then, you know, and, and we form up and da-da-da, we're going to, no, 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 okay. Here's where we have to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. 
and understand that our poli- that politics. Can I, I'm just I'm meddling now. Okay, just, just kind of know this. So the pastor being anecdotal and meddling. Okay, but it's, there's founda- scriptural foundation for what I'm going to say. We need to understand that uh, that our politics and our and our faith are not exactly the same, one and the same. And we have to know enough about. Uh, God's, God's commandments and God's word, God's direction, so that we don't trip up and, and kind of like uh, do what we want to do politically and call it God. Does that make sense? I, I, that's, you know, and, and the thing is, that's an easy thing for me. I, I'm an old jarhead. I have a tendency to, be, to fall down on the, on the hawk side of things. So I have to keep myself in check so that I can, uh, that I can uh, honestly represent his heart, and it's not my heart, it's his heart that I'm here to represent. His purpose and his plan. The one who knows the end from the beginning, who knew this was going to happen, who knows all things and holds you in the palm of his hands. Okay? It may seem like the world is going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, but God is still here. And as I read the scriptures, I understand what happens at the end of the book. What, so what do we have here? Romans 8.35 says, we're not to have any fear. He says, who shall separate you, separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? He said, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. What to do? In 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, he says, labor, working with, working with your hands. If you're being reviled, if we're being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, says, Therefore, now this is Paul speaking, he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. That's weird. Now, at first glance, that's where I take pleasure in infirmities. in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, see, here's, here's where this whole idea that God's got a different economy than ours. That his whole focus is different. It's kind of like, I've shared this with you before. I mean, I love this, man. It's like you take one little corn thing and put it in the ground. Corn seed, not a thing. And one, just one. You know, sometimes they don't grow, but that, that one, when it, if it grows, one stalk comes up to about here. Two to three heads on there. And each head has, what, eight, nine hundred? On it? I don't know. Eric, help me here. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. That's, that's God's way. And, and how do you do it? It's just, you planted it, you sacrificed it. See, we never do that. Our thinking is you've got to hold it in your hands. We've got to manipulate this. We've got to control this. And God says sacrifice it. Lay down your life and see me work in you. Amen. See? See, that this is, this is, this is, I get it. That, that when, when Jesus said, I preach the Christ crucified. He said a stumbling block to the Jewish people and foolishness to the Greeks. See? And, and God's got a whole economy, He's got a whole system. He says, love, He says, given it shall be given to you. That's not the way the world works. It's, it's gather it up and keep it. 
God says, given you shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together. Yeah? He'll give into your lap. Okay. What to do? We take pleasure in the fact that God has chosen us at this day and time to stand, to, to, to be able to see his plan unveiled. It's going to be painful, but his grace, what did he say? His gra- my grace is sufficient. That's another way, my grace is enough for you. In other words, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see you through this. Musicians. I don't know where you are in Christ. Don't know. Stand with me, if you will. Service is about over. But I also... Every, every journey begins with a step. Every journey begins with a step. Every journey begins with one step. Okay? I don't know if I scared you today. I hope not. Uh, I said earlier that it's a spiritual battle and we're not fighting. We have a tendency to lawyer up because it's easier than getting, in, getting, in on our, getting on our knees. God has given us weapons of warfare that don't make sense to the world. And quite frankly, they're more powerful than the world. Basically, we sing the songs. In heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. But, we, but, we, but we're, we're the first ones to reach out and get our own armor and charge off into the, into the fray. And be bloody, bloody and beaten. Folks, if, if I can tell you anything now, If you want to see the tide rolled back, we have to get on our knees. We have to learn how to pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray. You're a new believer and you say, man, you know, it's like, Pastor, I, I, you know, I'll sit down and pray and I want to pray for a long time and I'll go through all this and and, and I look up and two minutes have passed. It's okay. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. Nor was anything positive and powerful in life. It always takes that one step and a step after that and a step after that. We're at war here. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I know we can look out and see the gay and lesbian uh, uh, thing that's coming our way that's, that's over, it's, it's everywhere. The, the whole marriage thing, the, all that. We can see that and you might feel this kind of like sinking feeling inside of you because you feel like wow it's here it's over it's hey look it's a problem but so is adultery in our in our world so is uh, so is so is the drug abuse all these things that we look at as 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 horrible and they are do you know what they they were designed for each and every one of them was to destroy people 
In fact, those people who are trapped in that, and you, you and I, we've been there. We've been entrapped in sin before. We know. We know that we were the victims. We might have been ready victims, embracing victims, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We've got to get that. And it's not legislation. I'm not a problem. I don't have a problem with legislation. Uh, doing this and doing that. That's how our government works. But everything I find in Scripture tells me that it's through the hand of God that, that, that humanity has moved. You might look out over our, all over our world and say, I don't know how this is going to work. He said Israel will, will accept and bless and be saved in a day. How does that work? God... I'm asking you to believe in something far beyond, uh, beyond our own sight. That God can make a difference and change the, the reality that we find ourselves in today. And that He's able to keep us in the midst of all storms, all persecution, all difficulties. He's able to keep us. Don't know what, what the... the, the all the details of the plan. But I do know this. That we win. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I want to see? I want to see us bring as many people to, to heaven as we can when we go. Okay? Now, let's not try to prop up this this world system, it's all going to be burned up anyway, right? Think about that. I know we're living here. We're enjoying it. I look out over our, our acreage there, and I like to watch the sun come up in the morning. I like to see it go down at night, smell the grass cut. I like this world. I do. And what I, I think I like about it is because God made it, and he made me, and, and, and there's something in it. You know, I think there'll be golf courses in heaven. I think there'll be, there'll be, there'll be grass, there'll be trees. All these things. These things came from the mind of God. And, he, and when he created them, he said it's all good, didn't he? And I think that's what I connect with. It's going to go away. Though. This one's going to be all, it's, the scripture says it's going to be rolled up like a, like a, like a garment that's been used and, and dis, discarded. And then he'll bring a new heaven and a new earth. We need to embrace that kind of thinking, that God's got a plan in spite of how all this looks. And we need to fight on our knees. Fight on our knees. Earlier today we had communion. And I led you in a prayer. There's some here who gave their heart to Jesus this morning. You gave your heart to Jesus. You made a commitment. Okay? As we're praying, as we're singing, there, there are people that are going to be coming up and just, let's just deal with stuff, okay? Deal with stuff. Now is not the time to be, be lackadaisical about sin in our lives, lackadaisical about what's in the next future. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're here this morning and for the first time, you said yes to Jesus. I want you to, I want you to come too, and I want you to meet me here. And I want, I want to seal, help you seal that decision that you've made. Okay? Okay? So let's fill these altars, if we will, for a period of prayer. And let's, let's, let's remember, let's begin to fight on our knees. 
and let's see God do some wonderful things. Let's change our world. Let's fight the way God intended us to fight. Amen? And if you're here, you've given your heart to the Lord, meet me right here in the middle. I'm not going to move. I'll just wait until you get here. And I just want to I just want to thank you. I want to just congratulate you and I want to pray with you and seal help you seal that decision. Let's worship. Let's worship. Folks, let's 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 come and find a place here.